You are listening to the Conquering Everest podcast. This is episode 22. Welcome to the Conquering Everest podcast. My name is Brian Talor, and I just want to say thank you. Thanks for spending a bit of your day here with me. Now, today's episode, well, it's a unique episode. It was my first live cast. That's right. If you're not subscribed to the Conquering Everest podcast on YouTube, or you're not following the Conquering Everest podcast Facebook page, well, you're missing out because I'm doing, I've got a whole lot of live live shows scheduled uh, to air here in the near future. What I'm doing is I'm recording. It's it's kind of a, a bonus, right? We're going to give you the live cast of these conversations. And from those live cast, this ultimately this podcast is created. So with that said, if you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you go check out the Conquering Everest podcast YouTube page. I will leave a, there's a link in the description below, as well as the Facebook page. Follow either one. We'll be, you know, going live uh, multiple times a week, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. And speaking of fun, today's episode was a good one because I, I had a, a really good guest, and uh, I had a conversation with Randy Lee Boslaw. Now, Randy is an author. She's written five books, two of them children's book, as well. She is a mental health advocate and a kickboxer. So, without further ado. Here's my conversation with Randy Lee Boslaw. All right. Good deal. Well, we, we're we live. Uh, we'll see uh, this, uh, if anyone else joins us. But um, we're here. So why don't we just start out learning a little bit about who Randy Lee is? Well, that could be a long story. Well, that, Hey, I've got all night. I've got all night. All right. So who am I? I am, well, I live in Canada, uh, pretty close to Niagara Falls area. And... So I like to say I'm Southern Canadian, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am an author. I'm a personal trainer. I have two teenagers and a grandbaby. Wow. I've been married yeah, for baby. almost nine years. Yes. He's 14 months old. Okay. He is the most adorable thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? In 2018, I had cancer. Um, mm. So after that, I kind of bounced back. I got back into kickboxing. I'm a competitive kickboxer. I'm also a uh, kickboxing coach. So I've been doing that a lot. Um, yeah, so that's the mm. really condensed short version. The short version. So let's take it back a little bit. Let's take it back a little bit further. And let's talk about uh, your teenagers. Um, I, I know high level about you in the conversation that we had and i know you've you've dealt with some some uh obstacles and and, and you've had to fight your way uh to to be able to slay those giants but uh, when did i guess not necessarily teenage years but when did when did things start for you depression or or, or otherwise so that would be teenage years okay you know, okay see I guess. <laughs> yeah you're right on um <laughs> so it was probably about 14 years old and I just, I felt really low. I hit it really good though. Yeah. <laughs> I um, as most of us tend to do, you know, you put on that happy face, you go off, you do what you got to do and nobody's the wiser, but it definitely was in my teenage years. And I felt at a lot of times, like I was just going to either kill myself or run away. Those were my big things, especially the runaway. The runaway. Did you, um, did you like make plans to, to run away or, or? I wrote goodbye letters to people. Okay. Yeah. And so did, when, what would you say was contributing to that for you? Was it anything specific that you knew about at that time or was it later on in life that you kind of figured out? It was much later in life that I kind of figured things out, but, um, when I was younger, I was picked on. I mean, a mm. lot of people are picked on. That's not a unique story to me but when you're in the middle of it i mean it feels like it's a unique story to you and it feels like the worst thing ever right. so um growing up i didn't i didn't know that we were poor 
but other people figured it out based on my my clothes and things um so then as i got into grade seven eight into high school and people started teasing me and you know it's just not a very nice feeling so then i didn't want to go to school anymore and i skipped a lot um but my mom had two rules if i skipped <laughs> i had to stay home so that she knew i was safe and i could not fail anything mm. so i did all my work and i did not fail anything so you could skip here and there and, and, and... oh it was it was a lot more than here and there but yes. yeah so so as a as a teenager with the depression and in kind of a desire to escape a little bit um was there any drug abuse or anything that went no, with it no actually okay. i have and i'm very proudly say this i have never done any kind of drug that's good yeah. um never smoked a cigarette now i definitely had some drinks but right. never never went the drug or cigarette way so that's good that i mean that's good because that you know that's a whole nother can of worms that could open up there later in yeah. life um when you so what was depression like for you as a teen I, I know you were you said you were missing school but was it hard for you to get up or were you a functioning i would say i was a functioning yeah. i was a functioning depressed person Pressed. even as an adult um i definitely would say i was functioning most times as an adult got really bad so there were some days not so functioning but yeah. as a teenager um i still got up i went if it was a day i went to school i'd go to school i'd put on that face and just kind of do what I had to do for the day. Right. Um, in my later teenage years, I had part-time jobs. So I'd go to, to work and do what I had to do there and then go home and usually cry with my cats mm. or write poetry. That was my big thing. Instead of actually hurting myself, I would write about hurting myself. Okay. And how, so let's, let's fast forward just a little bit after high school, you said you had some jobs and whatnot. Um, when did it, what, how old were you when you knew that you had, you know, you, you've got to get help for this? That wasn't until I was an adult. Um, okay. It got to the point that I knew that I could not keep going. It was, I want to say like six years ago now sounds okay. about right when i finally went to my doctor i was totally broken i felt like and i went to my doctor and i was like i can't do this and this had been my doctor my entire life right. my mom's doctor my grandma's doctor my brother right like he knew the whole family and i'm in there and i'm like crying i can't <laughs> do this and it's so hard and my kid is this and work is this and i just i just want to stay in bed all day and eat ice cream and yeah. yeah did did you know you were depressed as a teen like did you know what it was i didn't know what it was i knew that i felt different i knew that i didn't feel like i fit in mm. i knew that there were times when i didn't feel anything and that's probably the worst part of depression is when you feel nothing so i call that my flatness um and so i know that there was times that were completely flat there'd be times that my friend would say oh, hey, do you remember we talked about doing this the other day? And I'd be like, I don't remember that conversation at all, like at yeah. all. So that became very difficult because when you're having conversations, but you're just sort of going through the motions and you don't even remember them, that's a whole other issue because then you're pretending like you remember them so that people don't realize that you're right. not remembering. Yeah, it, it's funny because as I talk, I, I mean, I'm, I've suffered from depression myself and I, and I'm sure I've had it my entire life, but I, I was 40 years old before I, it clicked in my mind that this isn't right. Like something's wrong. And then I still kind of withheld, I'm like, I'm not going down that road. I don't want to be labeled. I don't, you know, uh, yeah. did you find, so for me, as I look, you know, me personally, as I look back to my teenage years, I said, our stories are pretty similar in that, I was bullied uh, growing up and then in the high school, 16 years of age, I moved out of my parents' house and I got rebellious, right? And was doing things that, you know, just trying to grow up really fast. And I, so for me, there was a lot of um, kind of my, my lifestyle at that time, uh, late teens, early twenties, I 
was able to suppress the depression, which I didn't know was depression at the time, but I suppressed yeah. it with people. I suppressed it with alcohol. I did suppress it with some drugs. Did you have any, like, what, I know you said you wrote poetry, but did you have yeah. like your go-to? Yeah, so I would say my writing poetry was a really positive coping mechanism that I use, mm -hmm. um, but suppression tends to not be one of those more positive terms that we use with dealing with things, right? right? So. There was definitely times that I would use everything else to suppress it. Like you said, people and just doing stuff. So I would just say, yeah, I can help you with that. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I didn't want to be left alone with my thoughts. Right. Because that could be very troublesome. Right. So yeah. just saying, yes, I'll help you do this. And yes, I'll take on that project. And yes, I'll volunteer there. So then there's no time. Yeah, yeah, you were a busy buddy. You tried to fill every hour. I did. I had that as a later, like when when I turned forty, and realized, okay, this I've got depression. Like I knew at that point that what I was dealing with, and and then there was about a year. All I did was work. I woke up from seven in the morning till eleven at night. It felt like all I did was I had my main job, I had a second job, and I tried to fill that that gap with uh I, you know just figured i was earning money i'm doing you know but yeah it's all good yeah go uh you so 2015 ish you said is when you you finally sought some help for your depression did you have to go through any sort of hospitalization or anything like that or was it um i didn't go that route because i didn't have time yeah okay. <laughs> i know that sounds kind of silly because <laughs> really who has time to do that but um, my youngest has autism. And mm. if I was to check myself into, say, a hospital, at least where I am, they'll keep you for three days under watch. I didn't have time to not be at home for three days. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Like, my husband had to go to work. He takes care of, you know, all the bills and that kind of thing. Um, at the time, I was working full time as well. I was in social services, which social services on top of being depressed is not a good idea right. either. Yeah. Um, so it was actually um, the one day I was, oh, I'm trying to remember this because so there was two really big moments in my life for that coming to the realization. So the first one, I kept it very quiet and I went, I talked to my doctor and that's when I cried to him and he wrote me a prescription for antidepressants. It's a great, awesome, take them. Right. Took them, took them, took them. And then, you, have you ever taken antidepressants? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm taking yeah. them now still. <laughs> yeah. So, so they make you feel great and makes you right. think that you're all better. Yep. What Until happens you stop. when you're all better? Exactly. You, you yeah. 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 Not a good idea. No, no. it was not a good idea. <laughs> uh, so I did stop at one point. I, I am back on them. Um, and also during that time, I also, I finally went out and I got a, psych, a psychologist as well to help me do some actual therapy, which is fantastic. She did some CBT and some DBT, and I learned a lot of various coping skills with that. But I remember this one time at work, and I just started falling. And I can't even remember why. It was. I know it was the beginning of the day at work. I don't remember why I was crying, but something just just triggered and I could not do it and I just cried. And my one coworker, I got along with pretty much all my coworkers, which was great. Um, so my coworker was coming to my office, I'm in the hallway at this point, I'm in the hallway. Right. How it is, is, it's like this hallway and it's office, 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 office. So everybody's walking by, it's one of the busiest places in the building and here I am just crying. Yeah. So coming to the office, so I go in the office, I said, what do you need from me? I don't know, <laughs> do, you, do you wanna go home? I can't, I've got too much work and I'm just like, I have no idea. I'm just like a complete mess. Right. Um, and she just was there for me. And eventually I went, I ran out of tears and went on with the rest of the day. Right. I, I can feel your, your pain with that too, because when I was, you know, working full time and, and when I went through, it was just a couple of years ago that I went through the worst of it. And I was the same way. I'd be sitting at my desk and then I'd get an email maybe it was an email that said hey you you missed the comma uh on on your in your document and that would just set me off and i'd be like what the, you know and I, I would just my mind would just instantly um 
bringing the tears and all that. You you had mentioned that you you um you got you went to therapy and CBT and DBT. So CBT cognitive cognitive behavior therapy. What's DBT? I'm I'm not sure I'm familiar okay. with it. Yep. So DBT is dialectical behavior therapy, and that is more. So where cognitive is all about the brain and changing your thoughts. DBT, and I'm not a psychologist, so right. I'm sorry if somebody's like, that's not yeah. really exactly it, but from <laughs> what I did of, B, of DBT, um, it was more like physical stuff. So the one thing that was helpful was scrunching everything up and then releasing. Mm. Um, other things that for me, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it was like cold water, splashing cold water. I don't like the cold. I am not putting cold water on me. Yeah, I don't but, know how people do that. <laughs> yeah, no. um, and then she also gave me this, this stop. It was like a like a little sign, and I actually had it posted on the wall for a while. And mm. it was just stop and take a breath. If things are getting out of control, let's take a breath, take it down, and think about this through. Right. So that was really neat. Do you so? <sighs> When did you, what year did you get married? And I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm sure you remember. Your husband might not, but. Actually, out of the two of us, he's the one that remembers. He's the better one, huh? Okay. Uh, so we've been, I've been married eight and a half years. So whatever that equals. Equal. So, so you, you were, you suffered from depression while you were married. Yeah. We've been together for 14 years. Okay. So how, how has that, has depression caused any conflict pre therapy or medicine um, yeah there'd be times when i would just be like flat and so i mm -hmm. wouldn't care so you know well why don't you care whatever just we'll do whatever i don't i don't care like right yeah. um so that would cause some issues or because i was flat and it's like hey but i need to go and you know parent do whatever the, the parent thing needs to be done at this moment it's like well i just don't care because nothing matters and if nothing matters why do i have to go do it yeah, your husband didn't have any. I mean, I'm assuming he was pretty supportive. And oh and yeah, my husband was you. really great. My husband yeah. was awesome. And actually, when yeah. I went off of my antidepressants, I didn't tell him. I didn't oh. do it based on doctor <laughs> recommendation. It was not good. Um, but what happened? So when I finally we were walking the dog. Uh, last year actually is when I went back on them. So I was off probably two, one and a half, two years, something like that. Okay. And we were walking the dogs last year, just before COVID went all crazy. And good thing, I always say it's a good thing I went back on them because then I got stuck at home with everybody. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and we were walking the dogs and I was like, hun, I think I think I got to go back to the doctor. I think I got to go back on my antidepressants. And he's like, you went off of them? Uh. Like, no when wonder. did that happen? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I didn't tell you. My bad. And so my husband summed it up really, really well. And I love using what he said to tell people why it's so important. So he is a type 1 diabetic. Mm. He has an insulin pump. Ah, there he is. And so he said to me, <laughs> as we're walking the dogs, he goes, "Hun, do you want me to stop taking my insulin? I'm like, no, you're dying. And he goes, okay, and I don't want you to die. So take your antidepressants. Yeah. Stop being so silly. Nice little guilt trip there. Get you with yeah. that. Yeah. But it worked. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. So you mentioned um, your youngest has autism. Mm -hmm. And so how did how does that all interweave with the depression? And um, it makes it made it extra hard at times. So he's now 14 and he got diagnosed at eight. So it was a really long process mm. and uh during the beginning stages of when we had no clue what was happening right because at first there'd be these meltdowns we're like why are you just freaking out like stop doing this well now that we have an understanding of the fact that he has autism and what autism is it's like okay it's not a freak out it's a meltdown there's too much sensory going on or whatever but at the time I'm like i must be the worst parent ever I can't help my kid. I have no idea what I'm dealing with. Why are they so upset? Why don't they go to school? Why are they having so much trouble in school? I'd be called at work multiple times a week because the school couldn't handle them and I'd have to go and pick them up. And so that made me feel like not only the worst parent in the world, but now I'm the worst 
quote, the worst employee in the world. And so you have this little chirp in your brain that you're no good, you're the worst, nobody likes you, you're failing everybody. And then you just kind of keep going down, 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 down. So there there may be somebody that listens to this or watches the live stream or listens to the podcast after the fact that um, maybe they have a a child with autism that they maybe they don't know he has autism or he or she has autism. What what would be some of the and preface you're not not a medical doctor anything like that, but as a parent with a child that has dealt with that. Um, what, what are some of the signs that maybe newer parents could, should look for? Yeah, so communication is a big one. Uh, a lot of times, so autism is quite a large spectrum. My child is very talkative. In fact, he never shuts up. <laughs> However, that doesn't always mean that it makes sense, that you can comprehend what it is that he's trying to say. So that's a big thing, especially being 14 years old, I mean, sometimes you're like, oh, wow, that's that sounds so smart. Like he's very, very intelligent. But sometimes it's like, okay, you need to start over because I don't understand what you just said. You need to try this again. So communication is a really big one, whether that is a lack of communication entirely or they just have trouble getting it out in a comprehensible way. Um, Another really big one is the social skills. So that's where our diagnosis finally came in was that in grade three at eight years old, he was still parallel playing at school. So parallel playing is something that three-year-olds do where you're playing with your friends, but what you're actually doing is you're playing and your friend is playing and you're just sort of beside each other. You're not playing together, but you're Mm -hmm. happy enough playing beside each other. So at eight years old, you should be interacting more with the other kids. You should be running around at recess, playing pretend games, not just, playing by yourself right that yeah wow so i that makes me think back and and wonder i I had friends that were like that with me as well i mean i i i wasn't the one that was kind of distant they were but we'd be playing but we'd be playing separately so that kind of makes sense thinking back now Mm -hmm. um to what might have been going on there so where did when did cancer come into all of this? So you, you're depressed, yes. you're depressed for years. You're, you got your medication, you went off medication, you're back on it. Your child's born has has uh, you're dealing with that, and all of a sudden, somewhere in in that mix is cancer. Where's, yeah, where's... yeah. <laughs> oh, well, in that mix too, my husband almost died. So. Oh my. Okay. Well, let's start with your husband's story, and then we'll go back to your cancer. So. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, so I did say I was married eight and a half years. When we were engaged the year before we got married, um, that's when we found out that he had diabetes. He Mm. his blood sugar was through the roof, and he and I kept saying, "Hun, like you're so sick, go to the doctor." And at the time, he was working at a hospital as a security guard, and he goes to the doctor there, and they're like, "Oh, you're just you're just sick. Just drink lots of Gatorade. Go home. Go go rest." So he comes home that night. He was working midnight. So he comes home and scared the crap out of me because he's banging on the door at like three in the morning. And I'm like, where is that? So I go down, open the door. He comes in. I go, you look like crap. Like You look like crap. You need a second opinion. This this can't just be like a, a cold. Right. So he goes, no, no, no. They said it's fine. I said it's fine. Okay. And then he was supposed to bring um, our youngest down, meet me at the doctor's office. And he was getting... Uh, we're going for like an allergy thing at the doctor's office. And he he had to call his mom to pick him up to drive him there because he felt so sick that he couldn't drive himself to or drive him and our kid to the doctor's office. And I was like, well, why did you call me? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was coming from work. We were meeting there. I was coming from work. So he called his mom. But it was a good thing that he did because his mom was like, okay, you are not going back home until you go to the doctor we can either go to the family doctor right now or go to the emergency room, but you're not going home right now. So it's like, oh, good. Yay, listen to your mom because you're not listening to me. So she, um, they ended up going to an emergency room and did a whole bunch of tests, whatever. And doctor comes in and said, are you diabetic? He goes, no, we are now. Uh, <laughs> and, and they rush him to, so at that emergency room, well, it was like, so where we are, that's 
that emergency room doesn't even exist anymore, but it was um, not in a hospital. It was like a separate used to be hospital. Okay. And so they he had to go in the ambulance to the real hospital mm. and they hook him up to all these IVs and all that stuff. And I'm sitting at his parents' house with um, our youngest who would have been like, what, four at the time going, what is happening? I don't know. Mm. And when finally his um, his mom calls and tells me and he's like, his blood sugar was like in the 40s. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. It's supposed to be like around seven-ish. Oh, like the A1C or something? Yeah, like yeah, that? whatever the heck the number is. Yeah, yeah. there's a couple different ones, but yeah, 40 yeah. doesn't sound good. No, no, it was, it was way higher than it should have been. The doctor said he should have been in a diabetic coma. So... Oh. Yeah, that was a little stressful, a little bit. I've actually called the hospital or called an ambulance a couple times for him when like his pump breaks and things are happening, and it's it's pretty scary. So, so you have all that, and then the universe is like, "But wait, there's more." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and, and that more was Yeah, hold my ear. Hold my. Watch this. So, let's talk a little bit about your cancer. When when were you diagnosed? And. 2018. Okay, so that's not too very long ago either. No, no, two and a half years. I'm mm-hmm. counting to about three years because that's when I can maybe get different life insurance. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe we're jumping to the end of the story, but I'm assuming you're in remission now. Yes, yes, okay. I'm all good now. They took it all out. So, so what was what was life like? Because um, I'm just trying to my my brain is swirling, thinking, okay, you're already dealing with mental health. Your, your your son is 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 got some challenges that he's working through uh, with yeah. you as as his support and nurture, and then your husband's sick. Yeah, I'm thinking like, at what point do you just say, man, you know, like I give up. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to bed. Yeah, I wanted to. Yeah. Um, actually, I did the one day. It was before my cancer. It was twenty in 2017. Actually, I said I give up. I made a blanket fort and I hid in my blanket fort for the day. Nice. <laughs> so that, that's how my first book got written inside of a blanket fort. Um, so in 20, it was actually end of 2017 in November. I went to the doctor. I did the women's physical stuff we got to do. And let me tell you right now, ladies, anybody who's listening, do not put them off. Go when you are supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the doctor called me in December and said, okay, you need to come back in. We got to talk about this. So I go into my family doctor and he said, there is some, and he used this big, long medical term, squamous something cell. Anyways, what it meant was there were some bad cells, um, hmm. in my cervix. And I said, oh, okay. He goes, okay, I'm sending you to a gynecologist. Okay, great. January, I went to the gynecologist. They did, um, a small biopsy, took like a little tiny scrape. So, okay, we'll call you when we get the results. So I go back and they say, oh, all right. So there was a little bit of really bad cells. They called it pre-cancerous cells. Mm. Okay. Goes, but don't worry. It's just a small area and it's just pre-cancerous. We're just, it will be a surgery. It's just a day surgery. We'll take out that part. Okay. So in March, uh, actually it would have been last week, three years ago, I had what I call first surgery. Mm. <laughs> My husband takes me in and my hands get really, really cold. That's why I keep rubbing them. And the the nurse couldn't get the vein to put the anesthetic in. She couldn't get the IV in. They had to actually call the like head anesthesiologist to come and, and do it because they couldn't find my vein. Oh, man. <gasps> yeah, yeah. She goes, okay, you wrap my hand up in like a really warm blanket. She goes, okay, let's go. Let's get some, let's get some blood flow there. So then I go in. I had the surgery. It all went really, really well. And he said, okay, I will see you in one week or in eight weeks for your follow-up. Cool. I'm going to go home. I'm going to rest, relax. It's all good. One week later, they call me. I'm going, you need to come in right now. Yeah. What do you mean I got to go? I'm not supposed to be in for another seven weeks. What do you mean I got to come in right now? So I go in. And I'm all by myself at this point because everybody else is at work. And it was just like, come in like today. Not we're going to make you an appointment. You need to come in now. So I'm waiting and waiting and waiting because they just kind of fit me into into the schedule. So I was there a while and I go into the office finally and I sit there and the doctor comes in, the gynecologist, and he goes, you already have kids, right? Yes. Mm. And you weren't planning to have any more. He goes, no, my, my husband's already had a vasectomy. We already decided no more. He goes, okay, that's good. Um, because after we sent the bio, the 
cells in, it turns out that you have cancer. Oh. Oh. Okay. So what do we do? Well, you need to have a full hysterectomy. Okay, take it. I don't need it. Take it. I just kept saying, take him. Get this out of me. Yeah. But because I had just had a surgery a week before, he goes, you have to finish healing from this one first. So it wasn't until July that I've had that surgery. Mm. And that one was much worse. It was still only a day surgery and I was sent home after, but I ended up getting an infection afterwards, which put me back in the hospital and being poked and prodded some more. Um, but that'll, you know, everything eventually worked out. I'm good and healthy now, but right. it was, it was very tough. Was it, uh, cause I haven't experienced it myself, but it, getting that cancer diagnosis, was that like a punch to the gut? Did it just, you know, how did yeah. it, I, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but. Oh, for sure. But as soon as you hear that, that C word, it's like yeah. life ending, life altering. Right. Well, and that's why I said I couldn't like even think properly which is why i just saying okay take it okay take it like i didn't know what else to say to process it other than i don't need these parts you can have them take the bad ones out uh and then when i got in the car i called my husband and told him and it was just i didn't know what to do right there's nothing i could do i had to wait i had to heal from the surgery i already had there was nothing else that could be done at the time you had mentioned um so it sounds so you, you wrote a book before the cancer diagnosis, right? So yep. let's 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 kind of leave the bad stuff to the side for a minute and let's get into okay. the good stuff. So let's talk oh, about your first book. All right. So the first one is called Thoughts of a Wanderer. And it's most of the poetry that I wrote as a teenager to deal with my depression. So the book is all uh, mental health awareness. And I added in a little bit of my story at the beginning to kind of set people up to understand why I wrote these poems. And then a little bit of my story at the end to say, as much as these poems are about hurting myself, I didn't. And here are the reasons why I'm glad that I didn't. Mm -hmm. So that it ends on a positive note, because that is really important. And um, that's available like on Amazon and all that yeah, good stuff Amazon. now. So thoughts of a wanderer, make sure I have that right. And we'll get it linked. So anybody that's watching uh we'll, we'll get it linked in the in the podcast version of this uh, once we get that up uh, <laughs> this week but the so uh how many books in total did you write have you written i have now written five five wow <laughs> so thoughts of a wanderer what was the second book the second book actually i was writing um that year that i had cancer because it came out in 2018 mm -hmm. and i wrote it with a friend it's all about raising our kids with neurodiversity. So mine's about raising my child that has autism and then her son has extreme anxiety and learning disabilities. So she wrote her story about raising him. And at the end, we put in some worksheets that would be really, really helpful to parents who have kids who are recently diagnosed or newly diagnosed because we've learned that doctors ask you the same thing over and over <laughs> and over, right? And then you gotta try and remember it all um, or, they try this medication, that medication. What's the reason that you can't that you uh, took them off of this or changed it? So we put a bunch of worksheets in there that we wish we would have had way back when. Right. That it, uh, what's the? I didn't catch the title. Oh, I didn't say the title. It's called A Mother's Truth. A Mother's Truth. So I'm gonna write these down so I don't forget them. All right, so let's just let's keep going down the book path. You still have three right. more here. Yeah, tell us tell I us do. more about. So the the next one, I had a little bit of a hiatus from that as I was kind of pursuing the personal training thing a little bit more. And but then last year I released my first kids book. Okay. It's a, it's a Christmas story, so it's called Operation Deck the Halls. Okay. And it's it's about a little girl who cannot fall asleep on Christmas Eve. So she's so worried that Santa Claus is going to go over their house and she's not going to have any presents in the morning. <laughs> so the elves have to use their magic and help Santa and it all works out in the end. It's all, and the presents show up just like me. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll take a, a break from the, that book, but um, I do want to talk a little bit about your physical uh, you're a phys not physical training but you're a kickboxer you're a competitive yes, kickboxer okay I am. let's let's talk a little bit about that the, okay. when did you get into the competition 
Um, my first competition would have been in 2014. Okay, so right. that would have been that would have been right around the depression time. So you know, one of the one of the so big that, moments. Yeah, that's good. You can go kick people and and get some of that angst out. Oh yeah. What what attracted you to kickboxing? So we actually had put our youngest into jujitsu. Okay. When he was five, so that was a few years before I actually got into competing, and during that class there was a cardio kickboxing class going on off to the corner, and I whispered to my husband the one day, I go, they have really nice butts. I want to have a really nice butt. <laughs> oh, good butt. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm going to go try it. So I went and I tried the cardio kickbox class. I had so much fun. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try adult class. Yeah. Went in there, really enjoyed hitting people. I was like, I want to compete. Yeah. And now we're here. And here. Did you, so, so I boxed, um, never professionally not even a amateurly I, I i call uh i did like an exhibition a couple exhibition fights yep. but um i started i started boxing uh, about five six years ago and i you know one of the things I, is i i'm a speaker and 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 I, and I like to share stories and one of the things i that i always go back to is is the the gym right the boxing gym and yeah. all of the people it's like for me, it was like a family. It was like an extended yes. family. Did you, so you found it that same way that comforting to go there and oh yeah, get instruction and be able to give instruction, things like that. Yeah. I love it. Um, that was the only thing really that I missed during COVID was yeah. seeing those people. Yeah. They, they are my social circle. They are my friends. They are like, they're like a family. Right. Yeah. There's, and you just learned so much about yourself and, and yeah. um, I don't know, we, that's a, that's a whole nother subject we could talk yeah. about too, but. Yeah. Uh, when you can hit somebody in the face and still be friends after. Yeah. You're still be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and some of those hits you never forget. Like I, I can think of a few that. I'm oh like, yeah. Thought we were nope. friends. Uh, <laughs> but, so, so uh, let's, the fourth book, let's, let's kind of go back to your book a little, books a yeah. little bit. The fourth book was recently released uh, beginning of March this year. Okay. And that one, I think, is my favorite book um, that I've written. And it's called Embracing Me. And again, it's mental health. And that one is all about embracing myself and hopefully helping other people to embrace themselves. Mm. So each chapter goes through so different coping mechanisms that I used or talk, there's an entire chapter about therapy and the benefits an entire chapter about medication. And if you need it, then take it. You don't have to feel stigmatized by it. Right. There's a whole chapter on the stigma of it. Yeah. That's and again, worksheets. I love worksheets. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. I think worksheets help because it's when you, when you can translate from mind to paper, yeah. um, I mean, it, there, there's a lot of benefits to that. So I, the worksheets, I think, are, are good. The um, So Embracing Me, and then you've got one more? Yes, that I just released last week. It's another kid's book. Okay. And that's actually a little bit of a funny story. So the Christmas story, my husband gave it to a few of the people that, that he works with that have young kids. Mm -hmm. And the one, his daughter's only like four. And the book's probably like seven to eight-year-olds because it's a little bit of a longer story. And so she goes, well, it was good. And the pictures were good, but it didn't rhyme. I go, all right, all right. I'll make a story that rhymes. <laughs> so I, I finally finished all the artwork and released it last week. And it's called Diamond the Cat, based on the cat that I had when I was little. Okay. Well, I had her for 20 years. So from being a teenager all the way up to just two years ago when she passed away. Mm. And, uh, and it takes you through a day in the life of a cat. <laughs> as, as told by Diamond in rhyming. Nice. So what? So so bringing us to to current day with everything. Thinking about yeah. the depression, the autism, cancer, the books. Um, what's what's present day look like for you? Um, present day looks like feeling pretty good. Okay. Right. <laughs> I, I am having a lot more good days than bad days. That's for sure. Uh, finding finding your passion is really helpful. So I love writing. Hopefully, you know, I'll turn that into more of a full-time gig. And I've even started my own podcast, which is 
so much fun and I'm enjoying that and being able to get on these interviews with other people. I'm like, this is my jam. I was totally meant right. to just talk to people all day long. <laughs> <laughs> What's the podcast name? Right or die show. Right or die. Like, right. Like, right. Like writing. Yep. Right. Right or die. Okay. Yep, right or die. And what is, so uh, I haven't listened to it yet. Um, I, I will. Oh, I've only released two episodes. Okay. So, so still, most people well, haven't yet. It's brand well, new. What is what's the um, I'm assuming it has a lot to do with writing <laughs> with it by does. the title. So I am interviewing authors. Okay. And we're talking mental health. Very cool. I think uh, and and that should be a good podcast for a lot of people to listen to because I always when as I do these uh, have these conversations and, and have these interviews with folks. Um, some of them aren't authors. Most of them are not authors and i'm thinking man you need to write a book because you've got so much to offer uh it just even telling your story just you know laying it out there and being vulnerable um i think there's a lot of power in vulnerability and there it is. can help a lot of people um you know one of the things i, I you know with conquering evers with the podcast uh, that that all came from uh, a, a a talk that i gave where I was doing a little bit of research into overcoming obstacles and they got into, you know, Sir Edmund Hillary and he, he finally oh, yes. conquered Everest. And then once he conquered it, everybody started conquering it because he laid the groundwork and it, it's not about recreating the wheel. And there's a lot of good information, a lot of good stories out there. So, um, yeah. so it, for anybody that listens to this, uh, if you've thought about writing a book or you think you've got an interesting story, which you do, and even if you don't think you do, I'm sure yep. you do. I'd say start writing. Um, yeah. what, what's writing look like for you? Do you have a special place, time? Um, I wish. Yeah, as I say. <laughs> so my office is in my bedroom. So that okay. tends to be where I do it. Or I like to sit on the couch because then I'm a little more comfy. Um, whenever I write, I do listen to music. That's kind of my thing. That's why I have to have these headphones. I have other ones for walking the dog that are completely wireless, right? The Bluetooth ones, but these mm -hmm. ones, I can stick them in and block out the world. Uh, I just have to remember put them away. My dog likes to eat them. Uh, yeah, I, I'm there with you. I've I've gone through three headsets in the last two weeks because I keep forgetting to put them away. <laughs> so oh God, I'm not the only you're one. You're not. No, I've got plenty of times I pick up my headset and I'm like, oh my gosh. I know, and I'm like, there's not. This is not food. It's not tasty. It's not bacon flavored. No, exactly. <laughs> so I, I stick them in and I just go. Um, I wish I had a certain time. I I enjoy having routine and schedules, but with the way life is, it's just not mm -hmm. possible. So I write when I have time. Okay. And you talked a little bit, and I, I'm getting to see it today. Um, your signature look. Let's talk yeah. about your signature look. <laughs> How'd that come to be? What, what was the story behind that? Um, so I just really like headbands. Okay. And my husband hates them. He's like, you look like you're from the 90s. I'm like, I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> 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 and then um, the, the crimpy hair is just something that's a little bit more fun. So usually I have pin straight hair. My hair does not curl uh, usually. So actually, here, here's the cover of my book. And it's just, it's totally Oh, yeah straight hair right <laughs> so <laughs> the, the crimp was just kind of fun and i was bored covid so i was like i'm gonna buy a crimper first crimper i bought though burned my hair oh, oh no. my goodness i was like no my precious hair so i bought a new one and it works much better um should so do that, that just, video on youtube would have got tons of hits it's the true the of the hair yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well it didn't burn it while i was doing it but you could smell like oh, it smelled yeah. burn and felt Anyways, <laughs> but I got I got a new one and it works fantastic. And then um, I had to learn how to do makeup, so it's okay. kind of a little bit funny. My kid loves watching Bailey Sarian. Do you know who that is? What What was it again? I'm sorry. Bailey Sarian. She does um, murder mystery and makeup Mondays. Oh no, I haven't heard of her. Oh, my. so if you like true crime, she is so much fun to watch. So she does it on YouTube. So much fun to watch. And so now I'm hearing her theme song in my head. Um, <laughs> so my kid loves YouTube. And I'm like, okay, every time I go to live, I'm like, okay, we'll put on something that I'm going to like watch too. So she'll, she'll put on Bailey Sarian. I'm like, okay, cool. And as she's talking murder, she's doing her makeup. 
Okay. And I'm watching like, oh, that looks so cool. Oh, that looks, and she's like super good at it. <laughs> all right. So if I'm going to be on YouTube and stuff, I want to, you know, look all pretty and whatever. Yeah. And I, being a personal trainer, being a kickboxer, I never put makeup on. So I actually, when I went to Shoppers Drug Mart to buy makeup, um, I had to ask the lady how to put it on. <laughs> so yeah, give you some pointers here. And I was like, oh, I'm in my 30s and I have no idea what I'm doing. Because like, back in the early 2000s, you, you put it on your hand and just smudged it. But okay. I'm watching Bailey Sarian do her thing and she's using this brush and that brush and this thing. And I'm like, I don't yeah. know what all those are. Uh, the lady was so nice though and helped me figure it all out i did not feel stupid at all um by the time i left but i was so worried about admitting that i had no idea what i was doing right she was, she was super nice about the whole thing and so now i've got tons of various kinds of lipsticks which i went with bright red today but sometimes i put blue or brown just to have some fun I, yeah, I think having a, a unique style is, is is nice. I've I've done different things at different times of my life for beard, goatee, uh, change yeah. my hair, things like that. But um, as I when I got into the self development field and I was really starting to learn uh, and study from uh, the I don't know if you want to call them gurus, the other folks out there that are you know writing books and teaching and and um, one thing I thought is, is I had this, this idea. It's like, you know, if you think about an actor or an actress, they, mm -hmm. the method acting, right? They become somebody to full. And I think what it was, was Heath Ledger when he played the Joker on Batman. Okay. I guess he like isolated himself for months and yeah. you know, went kind of borderline crazy. His, his, his own self living as the Joker. And I'm like, if you could, Let's do that in a positive way, though. Let's, you know, yeah. if you could immerse your mind, body, and soul into the character of yourself that in the future, um, you, you, I think you ultimately end up taking on that persona at some point. So I think that's, uh, I don't know, I, I need to do a little more digging in that, into that concept, but, uh, you know, I think uh, yeah. it's always good to have a unique, uh, unique style that you could just put yeah. on and kind of transform. Yeah. 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 It was actually funny. As I was getting ready to come on here, um, my mom was making dinner. I'm doing my hair. And afterwards, like, I don't even look like me anymore. <laughs> I look like a, a totally different version of myself, like yeah. you were saying. It's changing. And yeah. It, it just, you know, meta, metamorphosis, I guess, is we, we, we all exactly. just change. Beautiful butterfly now. Yeah. So uh, there's going to be folks that either watch this live stream uh, or listen to the podcast and they're going to say, I want to know more about Randy Lee. So is there, do you have social media presence? We got, I do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. share away. The so, on Facebook, you can find me at RB writing. Okay. And then uh, I also made a Facebook page for the podcast. So write or die show is the, the podcast for Facebook. And then I'm also on Instagram at Randy B writing. Um, and I have a website, rbwriting.ca. And all of my books are available on Amazon. And like I said, I, I will get all these links. I'll, you know, I'm trying to write them down, but I'll make sure I've got them all for you. And, and we'll put it in the description of the podcast and I will yeah. add it to the YouTube version of this as well. So uh, folks can go out there and find you. But well, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, you, you, I think about, you know, everything that you had to go through and, and, and suddenly like my problems seem to not be <laughs> as bad. Cause I'm like, man, you, you've, you, the universe really threw it at you. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It was just one thing after the next, after the next, after the next. <laughs> And but, so now I'm just waiting for the next thing to happen. Yeah. I guess the beauty of it, though, is, you know, without without those struggles in your life, maybe these books don't get written. And, exactly. You know, and, and these books, who knows how many lives they're going to change. So, yeah. um, you know, even though the struggle's not fun to go through, uh, there, there's there's a bigger purpose for it on on the other side. You know, once you, exactly. once you kind of get through the dark night. Um, yeah. But all right. Well, I thank you very much for being on the show. I, thank you for I, having me. I'm going to stay in touch and uh, yeah. I hope we could do this again, or, you know, 
maybe talk a little more about writing down the down the road but i'd love to have you back on the show at oh some yeah point, so. i've always got lots to say you can ask me anything i'm an open book <laughs> yeah i thought about uh i thought about getting a few different people on and having like a you know just a three or four people and just have a, an open discussion about you oh, know, that'd be so you know, cool. Yeah, just yeah. pick a topic and go for it and see yeah. uh, see what we go through. And since you're a fighter, I, I know I've got a jiu-jitsu guy. I know uh, yeah. uh, kickbox, amateur kickboxer, um, Lily and, and Liz. So shout out to Lily and Liz out there. I have, have uh, had a conversation with them. So uh, maybe we could do a fight night. There we go. We can oh, there you go. That's night. pretty exciting. Yeah, but... All right. Well, thank you. And I will uh, I will be keeping in touch and I look yeah. forward to reading your books. Awesome. Thanks right. for coming on. Bye. There you go. There you have it. My conversation with Randy Lee. And please do go show her some love and some support. Check out her, her webpage, which I have linked in the description below. You can also go check out her books on Amazon if you want to buy one. Hey, that's a great way to support the show as well as to support our guest. Now, if you're still with me, I thank you. I appreciate you. I really do. I know. Like, it's almost an hour. You're probably thinking, man, an hour? What is this guy, Joe Rogan? But I, I could never, I don't know if I could do a three-hour podcast. But, hey, if you're still with me, I appreciate you listening. And uh, I hope you will consider sharing this podcast with your family and friends. Make sure you give it a follow. And uh, if, 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 you, if you have the option to leave a rating please do so. Now, if you want to reach out to me, that's very easy to do. You can email me at brian at conqueringeverest.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I'll have it all linked in the description here below. And, uh, you know, if you want to support the show, there's ways to do that as well. We've got a, um, we've, we've, we've got a PayPal me set up if you'd like to donate not required it's not required it's just if you if you enjoy the show and you want to you want to show your love hey i would appreciate it uh everything we get's gonna just gonna help to make this show better so anyways uh until next time make sure you stay tuned make sure you follow because then you will get notified and make sure you go out to youtube subscribe hit the bell and when the uh next facebook or uh, the next live cast kicks off well you're going to be in the know. So anyways, until next time, this is Brian. And as always, aim high, be courageous, and do amazing things. <laughs>